briefly, they were subjected to sound in the higher frequencies, and they fainted. And now, back to the adventures. Hey, everybody. Welcome to How to Read Comics, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. I'm your comic book newbie, Nick. And with me, riding shotgun in the spider buggy, is Jason. How's it going, Jason? Uh, it's going great. Um, and uh, welcome to the weird world of Wolverine. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, as we talked about last time, I'm a Wolverine super fan. So this is really fun for me. You've uh, you've brought me down this uh, rabbit hole of uh, I, of of comic books in the first place, but I think, uh, going through the homework here in Wolverine has really, uh, solidified the fact that there is no going back now. Wolverine has been a great, uh, primer in, uh, comic book superhero ing superheroing. That's it. You nailed it. This is part two of our Wolverine conversation. Uh, hopefully by now you have read our, uh, required reading, uh, to, to listen to this, uh, this episode. Um, we've given you, uh, four Wolverine books to check out. Um, uh, Wolverine by, uh, Chris Claremont, uh, weapon X by, I can't remember the author, um, Wolverine number 90 and old man Logan. I don't, Oh, don't worry. I have authors on each of them, so we can, we can leave yes, that till yeah, we get to this. I'm, I'm prepared to do that. Perfect. But hopefully you've read uh, those books. If you haven't, uh, go back and listen to episode one, uh, Wolverine intro to Snicked, and uh, then come back, read the books, come back and listen to this one. Uh, and uh, this is where we're just going to kind of dive deeper into what we've read. This, these books um, and Wolverine, the character, have have been a great uh, intro into reading comic books. Um, if I were to go back all over again, um, we've done a Batman episode. Batman's a great superhero to jump into reading comic books. Um, Wolverine is another great character to jump in and read. Um, it kind of covers uh, a lot of the comic book and superhero tropes of, you know, origin stories and uh, flashbacks and fight scenes and, uh, you know, superpowers. And I think with Batman, when you go back to the origin origins of Batman, since he is such an old character, um, Wolverine being newer, kind of invented in the 80s. 70s but the older wolverine comics yep. are a little bit more accessible than the older batman comics that's a that's a really good point i I think you can get in much easier second to second to batman and superman um wolverine's one of those kind of polarizing characters as i was reading these comic books i i was kind of checking the pop culture section of my brain and realizing you know if you were to go down the street and say someone say to somebody like um hey do you know who wolverine is i think pretty much and everybody will know who Wolverine is. That's why this, I feel like this has been a really great jumping off point. Um, so let's get into it. Um, wanted to first talk about, um, we're going to talk about these in uh, chronological order and publishing order, I guess. Um, so let's start out with uh, the uh, Wolverine book uh, by Chris Claremont. Now, I, when I was reading this, I, Jason, were these the, the first Wolverine comics or are we coming at this a little bit later in the game than the actual origin origin? So these of, are of the, the first Wolverine comics in the sense of this is his first solo series. But at this point, he's been in X-Men for years and he's become a, um, a really popular character. And so this is his first solo series where he's off on his own and we get to find out what's going on. And if you read the same version I did, um, which is in this trade paperback, uh, it has two issues from X-Men at the end where it's Wolverine's wedding. Um, and so those are not part of the original uh, miniseries. Um, 
but they, they continue the stories. They wanted to include this. And so this is a, a kind of frequent thing that comics will do. Uh, I'm not sure who kind of debuted this, but you take somebody from a team book and you give them their own series just for a few months. Uh, the idea is this character might not be popular enough to be able to sustain their own book in perpetuity, but they're popular enough to be able to get a miniseries. Um, and so then later when Wolverine gets his own series, um, which is called Wolverine Volume 2, uh, which is where Wolverine 90 comes from, um, pretty quickly in there, he's going, uh, if I remember right, um, bi-weekly. So not only was he popular enough for his own series, but he was popular enough that he became um, just as – he was getting published just as much as X-Men at one point. And, and their, their stories would uh, sometimes overlap, uh, but more often than not contradict each other. So you know, in, in the Wolverine series, maybe he's in Japan the whole time, but in the X-Men series, he's also at the same time uh, with them in Jamaica uh, on another adventure. Um, and you know, they, they never really talk about how these intersect with each other. Let the reader figure out. So, yeah. So a quick synopsis of this story. Uh, Wolverine is uh, in Japan. Um, we don't know exactly why he's in Japan other than the fact that uh, the love of his life is the daughter of a, uh, a old, old Japanese family, a noble family. And uh, he's trying to find her again. Uh, he gets mixed up in kind of a like a Romeo Juliet kind of situation where her family doesn't approve of him, uh, him being a, a gaijin, mm -hmm. which is uh, a foreigner uh, to uh, Japan. Um, and he's a foreigner in many ways. Yeah. Wolverine is, um, he's a ninja. He's a super spy, like James Bond. He is uh, an outdoorsman, uh, a kind of grizzled diehard type guy. Who's always going to get beat up in his adventures. Um, and one of the things I like about this miniseries is we get all of those. Uh, you know, it starts with the more outdoors when he's actually tracking someone. We get the James Bond stuff when he gets his second girlfriend along the way and uh, Yukio and, you know, they have their relationship. Uh, and we get the ninja stuff as well. You know, there's tons of ninjas getting getting just devoured throughout the pages. Uh, but I think he got to the heart of it, which is this is uh, a romance, uh, this this particular story, which is interesting. It's also a story that I, I kind of felt that Wolverine's trying to figure out who he is exactly. Very true. And. And just to repeat the opening, because it's actually very famous and has been uh, uh, poked fun of a lot. There's a lot of parodies that, that begin this way. Uh, but he says, uh, I'm Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Um, and so uh, there's a there's a great one in service. I won't remember it very well, but it's, it's something like, uh, I'm the best there is at what I do. Well, I'm the best in town there is. Okay, I'm the best there is at what I do in town that's available tonight for the price that you might require. You know, it's all of these yeah. like corrections, uh, just all of that punning off of the Wolverine opening. So it's it's kind of funny, like these uh, Wolverine kind of this story kind of presupposes like you're not going to ask any questions of who this guy is. Right. I, I think the what makes the this story kind of resonate or, you know, um, endures with it is this story of him having this sense of honor of him trying to be an honorable person. But his nature is not an honorable thing. It's his struggle between trying to be human and not knowing if he's human or just kind of he's just got continually has this identity crisis because in in some on some pages he knows exactly who he is he knows he's the best what he's the best of is just ripping people apart that get in his way it gets turned on his nose a little bit when he starts looking at the wake of bodies behind him and going well wait was that me or was that the you know the beast inside of me so you kind of get that 
uh, schism between um, his his rage and him just trying to to be a human being. And uh, I think this is great to read, especially in contrast to what we'll talk about at the end of the podcast with Old Man Logan. Um, they're they're both ends of the spectrum. Um, this being the side of him not knowing who he is and old man Logan being the side of him that definitely knows who he is. Um, and he's not sure if he can handle knowing who he is as a, as a murderous berserker. That's, that's a great analysis. I really like that. Uh, and that kind of book instant nicely. Uh, we haven't talked at all about Frank Miller, uh, you know, a pretty famous comic artist and comic writer. This is when he was, uh, mainly known as an artist. I don't believe he'd written anything yet. Um, but uh, some really unique art. So, uh, did you have any takes on it, or uh, I can kind of? So jump this in would be yeah. So this would be uh, is this pre Dark Knight Returns or yes. post yes, Dark pre. Knight Returns? Pre Dark Knight Returns. Uh, you know, I uh, a lot this uh, series. I think it's in the second issue. Has some of like my favorite um, compositions uh, yeah. of comic art. Um, one being uh, kind of the first time when he has a, a run-in with a huge uh, cabal of ninjas, and he's standing over their their oh, their bodies. Gosh. Yes, and it, his face is in shadow. Uh, his eyes are glowing yellow. Uh, in the previous cell, it says they were good. He says, but I'm the best. It's so incredibly stylized. I mean, it's a badass posture that he's putting on. Yeah. But it's also notice that his his uniform is in color. He's backlit. His face is backlit. You know, it's tough to imagine an exact lighting scenario that would equate to this uh, so that his eyes are glowing. Uh, you can see his body really clearly, but certain parts like his claws are silhouetted in some places and uh, shown directly in others. Meanwhile, all of the bodies under him are, are monochromatic. You know, they're in dim light or something. And the way that he composed this page is just brilliant. I love the way that Wolverine pops out there. It's a really gorgeous image. Yeah, and then this leads into uh, a chase scene after, um, what's her name? Uh, Yukio? Yeah. Yukio. Uh, and they're they're racing across the uh, rooftop uh, rooftops of Tokyo. You get this um, uh, Blade Runner esque uh, scene of um, billboards flashing in the background and um, stark neon um, with them in, in silhouette. Uh, it's this comic book is very 1986. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I th- I think that's a really good take. There's there's so much that puts this in a particular moment. And yet there's so much of it that's also uh, kind of timeless and universal in that it sets up Wolverine as a really unique character. And we'll see so many of these things, uh, like you mentioned, the way he introduces himself, recur over the next 40 years of comics that we're going to read. Right. And so let's maybe that's a good moment to kind of move on to the next one. So, Jason, then where, what what does Weapon X add to the Wolverine story? So it it adds a lot. Um, for one thing, it's Weapon X has always been kind of uh, referred to before 1990. Uh, when this actual story comes out, uh, it's just kind of a, a reference point for Wolverine. You know, this is his origin story, but they've never actually told the origin. Um, and so gotcha. it's always in the past from the point of view of the comics. There's always, you know, before this, there was Weapon X. Uh, and so getting the details on what it was, um, a lot of things change. You know, one, we had this sense that it's, it's this place with just gobs of money. Um, but by singling it down to kind of three main characters in the lab, um, it also makes it feel very small and very kind of rinky-dink and that they don't have this absolute control. Uh, and so there's this kind of tension between how much control exactly 
do they have? Um, uh, both over uh, you know their own actions, as it appears that um, the professor there is being controlled by someone else, um, and also over Wolverine, which is uh, you know there's all of these plays throughout it where they think they've got him controlled, but it turns out he's out of control. And then there's a twist: no, they were controlling him all along and giving him false memories of being out of control. But wait, it looks like he's out of control. So the whole book is is about control and about Wolverine not not being able to keep control, which is kind of Wolverine's main story thing: is that you know can he hang on to his humanity by practicing self-control. Right. And I, I think uh, as the reader going through this, I mean, this series was super confusing uh, to me uh, as a new comic book reader. reader Weapon X is a very, uh, it kind of presupposes, you know, who this character is. And if you look at the issues that it came out with, it came out as a, a uh, these came out in short snippets. I think it came out over like what? Um, t- 12 different um anthology comic yes books, yeah and they're like, like that they're like 10 pages each or something so yeah they're short and so you to, come like, in and figure out where they are yeah you come in as, as snippets and and if you uh it's um marvel comic presents was the the comic that it came out in and each cover of it was um really playing up this hype of so where did wolverine come from you know and now we'll find out where he came from or you know stuff like that um but jumping into those one by one they are they are very all over the place the art is completely different um i think the way the compositions of the pages were set up they were meant to confuse the reader um to put you in that same headspace that you were talking about that logan was himself um even with the way that the first um, the first issue starts where um, he basically gets kidnapped off of his ha- from his house or his, some farm that he was working on or something like that. Um, but by the end of it, you are questioning whether or not that actually even happened. Yeah. Um, and and I think it, being reading that if if you were reading this from week to week as it came out, um, you would either be a very very confused or b you'd be very very enticed to try and figure out this very strange puzzle that they're putting together. Yeah. One other uh, thing about Wolverine, just talking about the confusion here is that he, he knows that he's had memory implants. And so he doesn't know what his real origin is. He can remember like everything after the weapon X program he remembers and, and those memories are accurate, but then everything before the weapon X program is where it gets confusing. And because of that, he never knows what's real. And so I think having a confusing comic, for us as readers is actually kind of interesting in that way. Uh, you know, we don't know quite what's real, quite what's going on, uh, but neither does Wolverine. So that puts us in his shoes. Whereas a lot of superheroes, you know, you get that classic origin story. They, uh, Peter Parker was bit by a radioactive spider and uh, Superman was an alien from another planet. And uh, now he's here and Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne, his parents were murdered. Um, in in the street and he's just been scared and trying to avenge them ever since wolverine you are you are trying to learn as much as probably he's trying to learn about his own origin um you're at any given moment in the wolverine story over any of the comic books there's always this theme coming back of what happened where did why is wolverine like this uh what has changed him where did he come from and those are the questions you have as a reader. Um, but those are also questions the character has of him, of himself. Yep. Uh, and I think that is like super interesting, super 
uh, it just really brings you in um, and gets you on the same page as the character you're reading. And, and you just kind of feel some of those pain and suffering and, and, and confusion that Wolverine or Logan would be feeling too. Yeah. Um, as a reader, it's really fun to be on the same page as a character like that. Yeah. And just to illustrate the confusion. And I think really the, um, the, the subtle touch that Barry Windsor Smith has here, I want to, Turn to a page. Uh, so this is about a dozen pages in, uh, and I'm showing it to Nick so he can get there. Barry Windsor Smith drew it and wrote it. Uh, he did all of the art for it, uh, all the colors, everything. Um, and so it's amazing the kind of control that he has. And I think that's another level of control that we could talk about is the way he controls the story. Uh, but on this page, this two-page spread, about a dozen pages in, we've got Wolverine getting picked up in the upper left two panels. And at the end of that second panel, we are – jumping back to the present or to, you know, the narrative present where uh, the last panel says, heads up, gentlemen, the professor is arriving. And it's clearly someone talking during the experiment. Um, but throughout the experiment, it then cuts back repeatedly to him getting picked up as they document the injuries that he has uh, from getting picked up. You actually see them occurring. Meanwhile, we also get a series of text boxes in different colors, and each of those colors corresponds to a different character uh, performing the experiments. Uh, meanwhile, there's also movement happening. So if you look at that, just now we're at the third panel, the liquid is slowly filling up in the tank. And we know that because by the fifth panel, it's about a foot above his head. And by the next page, it is all the way to the top of the tank. And, you know, that's like a really subtle, small thing, just filling up the liquid in the tank. But for Barry Windsor Smith to script that, to, to draw that himself and really give it this sense of time. Uh, and of place. Uh, I think it's such a beautiful, subtle uh, movement that he does when he's also doing all of these other levels of meaning simultaneously. Well, yeah, uh, levels of meaning and uh, level or uh, 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 segments of time, um, being able to move the story forward in the past uh, alongside moving the story forward in the, the narrative present. So uh, yeah, weapon X is a super trippy, um, just all over the not all it's not all over the, it, i don't want to say it's all over the place because it's very well thought out just like you just right. pointed out there it's very it's not all over the place it's just it's meant to make you feel all over the place because yeah. he's he's trying to put you in the the spot that wolver that logan is i keep saying wolverine he's not really wolverine at this, this good point. point good point he's still logan yeah it's almost like they're saying this could have been you it's it's a it's a good read but it I would definitely not recommend you start with this because, well, I, I shouldn't say you can start with whatever you want. If, if you started with this, you would you, you would have a much different view of Wolverine if you hadn't read anything else before. Yes, and and you can you can feel the decade uh, in between the the Wolverine miniseries and this, right? A lot of history has happened, uh, and and you can tell you know you noticed all the little nods that it's doing to Wolverine's story uh, that we're starting to put together. One last theme from this uh, that I wanted to point to before I transition us is um, the animal, the sense that Wolverine is an animal. Uh, he's often treated as an animal. Uh, everyone, the experimenters feel like he's an animal and not quite human. They question his humanity and is this right if he is human? And uh, when he leaves, he leaves completely nude um, and walks into the wilderness naked, uh, really feeling, seeming like an animal. And that is another theme of Wolverine 90, which is the next one we're going to look at. And it, it tells a very, very I, – I was struck when I looked back at this how quick the story is. Not much happens in this issue. And in, in reading this one issue out of the you know the series that it's in um, is 
for me, it was a great, uh, a great snapshot of, again, another, you know, decade or another era of, of Wolverine. You see kind of the, the Wolverine we're all kind of familiar with. Yeah. Um, and, and done so in a very grand way with the, the fight scenes in there and turns of phrase and his mannerisms. It's all the kind of classic Wolverine, um, that you'd come to come to expect. Yeah. I, to me, this is the epitome of a Wolverine comic in terms of just a single issue. It's, it's got it all. Uh, the plot is very simple. Wolverine is home alone in the X mansion, uh, watching Sabretooth who is imprisoned there. Sabretooth uh, goads him and repeatedly tries to break out. Uh, there's some kind of commentary about the nightly news that's happening. Um, Sabretooth breaks out, uh, gets in a fight with Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine keeps saying, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. Finally, Sabretooth threatens him enough that Wolverine kills Sabretooth. Um, or at least we think. And this is the other thing. In my copy, and I'm not sure about in yours, I have advertisements in the middle of it. Um and that's always always fun. Uh, yeah. But some of the advertisements are for uh, the funeral. Here's here's one of the ads. If you want to look at it, uh, memorial service for Professor X. Uh, and it's done as though you're being invited to an actual memorial service because what was happening in the other X Men comics right now is somebody had gone back in time and killed Professor X, and because of that, our universe froze, and it froze, and we returned to a parallel universe. And so in the next issue of Wolverine, it comes back and it's called Weapon X and it's no longer called Wolverine and it's Weapon X number one. And we get this parallel universe, um, which is interesting. And um, so that's why at the very end of the comic, all of a sudden you see Sabretooth's eye freeze. And in all of the X-Men comics uh, this month, everyone ended with a frozen panel. And next week, a completely different story with maybe related characters. Um, and so it was a great thing. It led to the Age of Apocalypse storyline, which is one of the best crossovers ever. A lot of fun. And then it came back, uh, and I'll, I'll spoil it for you. Uh, Sabretooth is not dead. He's in a coma. Um, and Wolverine has to wrestle with what he's done, that he finally unleashed his violence and just tried to kill someone. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the the overall story. Um, and And that's, again, here's the third example of that theme of, Wolverine wrestling with himself of what he can do, what he, what he's compelled to do, what he was made to do, um, at this point, uh, and him not completely jiving with that. Yes. Um, his, his animal nature takes over time and time again. And, uh, his, his human nature, uh, is trying to, uh, reconcile that for every time that, he he goes berserk right i mean he's wolverine is the berserker right yes. um that's that's his title um it's a reoccurring theme and he never really seems to be able to come to a, a absolute answer to it he didn't really reconcile it in in the first series that we read he definitely didn't reconcile it in in weapon x uh and here uh we're caught in in wolverine 90 basically midstream of him going crazy yep. and then it freezes right at the end you know what uh right before he kills uh saber what about the tv because fully fully a third of the text bubbles in this comic are tv narration right so it's uh the story that's going on the news is uh some serial killer i didn't know if i was supposed to know who this was or if it was just some something brand new this serial killer got uh kind of locked himself into a building and the police were the swat teams were 
uh, trying to get him out of there. Uh, they treated him. He tried to surrender, but they beat him up anyway because they he killed one of their cops or he like ate one of the cops or something. Mm-hmm. He bit he bit one of the the cops anyway. Um, so it's a commentary on pr- uh, police brutality. Yep. It reminded me uh, again of uh, Dark Knight Rises or Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of read this as a as a play off of that. Um, Wolverine has ongoing commentary, right? Uh, where uh, the uh, the television reporter says, "Does that re- give the police the right to brutalize him during the course of his arrest?" Wolverine says, "Didn't look like he was coming along too peaceably, Trish. Try being a cop for a week or a superhero for that matter." And I think when I first read it, I was in Wolverine's shoes. I was like, yeah, yeah, superheroes have it so hard. And the interesting thing is I'm not sure that that's what Larry Hamlin is trying to do, especially when on the next page it cuts to the police chief and he says, thank you, Trish. There's not a man or woman on the force who didn't want a piece of that maniac. And it's like, wait, wait, you you just wanted to commit violence? You, you weren't trying to protect people? You, you just wanted to hurt him? And so I, I don't think – I don't think it's the most you know interesting, subtle – commentary on police violence but he is trying to do something there um which is not just let us fall into wolverine's position of saying violence is justified but that's the real question is that wolverine's struggling is to what extent is violence justified right and that's the what he's also struggling with with Sabretooth being literally there and he really wants to beat the crap out of him yep but he's trying to hold back and he can't he can't but then uh his nature takes over well or Sabretooth bum rushes him and yeah. he has to, he kind of has to, to what so extent does it, I guess it yeah. is kind of a commentary of, um, Wolverine does not want to be violent, but he's forced to be violent. Let me add one more layer, which yes. is Linus Dorfman. Okay. Linus Dorfman first appeared in Wolverine 43 and he was a very forgettable character. It was one issue. And, and this was the guy that the police are trying to get. Uh huh. And yep. okay. there is this is four years earlier, right? From Wolverine 43 to Wolverine 90. That's a huge jump to assume that people will remember. And Wolverine himself has forgotten. And in fact, halfway through the comic, they say, uh, the police chief, the same page I was looking at, well, Wolverine had gone missing from the zoo where uh, the zoo was in there. Uh, and Wolverine says, oh yeah, I thought that like guy looked familiar. So even Wolverine fought, forgot about this guy. The, the story from the original is that this is a guy who is a budding serial killer. And he's been torturing animals and he kills the night watchman at the zoo to break in and torture animals. And he's torturing a Wolverine through the cage. And what Wolverine does is Wolverine wants to kill him, but he realizes that that would make him no better than Linus Dorfman who wants to torture animals. And so what he does is he unlocks the Wolverine's cage and lets the Wolverine have at him. And then he walks off. And that's how that's how the the issue ends is, you know, he's going to get his just desserts from the animal. And then it turns out that that didn't happen at all and that he somehow got control over the animal, took the animal home because uh, he had it in his house with him uh, and that he this led to him escalating and becoming more violent and turning into a serial killer, not just the budding psychopath that he was at, in the previous issue uh, and this obsession with Wolverines. And then the question is not only could Wolverine have stopped this, but also to what extent did Wolverine start this? That's also uh, a snapshot of of his own psyche. Wolverine, in in all of what we've read so far, is he's not the Sherlock of the group. He's not right. thinking three or four steps ahead. He's just trying to find the easy answer so he can sleep at night. You know, yeah. knowing that backstory, letting the Wolverine out of the cage is literally what he does in pretty much every series that we read. 
Except it's just easy. <laughs> it, it's easier just to let the Wolverine out of the cage. Yeah. Except for uh, Old Man Logan, where the entire theme is that he will not let the Wolverine out of the cage. And of course, you're right. By the end of it, he will. Um, <laughs> but he's probably spends more time in this comic than in any of the others. Really, really obviously trying to keep the Wolverine in the cage. Yeah, what were your thoughts on Old Man Logan since uh, Logan is a movie that you really love, right? Yeah, that was really cool. I I love the movie Logan. That was a, a, a really cool to see uh, this character that we all have in our pop culture uh, subconscious of doesn't age. He's just kind of the same character forever and ever always. Uh, but now you see him as an old man and he's got a family now. And it's just a fun, uh, fun thought process to see um, not only him age, but all of his uh, counterparts uh, age as well. So you've got uh, characters in here that I, I don't honestly have a, a ton of experience with, um, but you have a whole uh, storyline of the Hulk, Bruce Banner and his kids. Uh, you've got um, his best friend uh, in this series, Hawkeye, uh, what happens with Spider-Man and his descendants, um, Kingpin, Red Skull, and Captain America, and all the X-Men. You kind of get to see what happens uh, in the future. Um, it's it's a really, really uh, cool experiment to play with these characters that seem to be timeless, to actually let time take their toll, let time take its toll on these uh, on these superheroes. Old Man Logan is the story of Logan trying to keep the Wolverine in the cage the whole time. Yeah. Let's put a spoiler alert right here. Oh, yeah. Because we will spoil this. But if you've not read Old Man Logan, stop the recording now. Go read it because there's a great twist that happens. So the way that we've we've gotten into this uh, post-apocalyptic dystopia is there was this one day all the supervillains figured out they would trade superheroes. So instead of Magneto fighting the X-Men, Magneto fought the Fantastic Four. And this meant that the Fantastic Four were not prepared for him. And so then everyone switched around. And so Wolverine, something happened. And we don't get for the first half of uh, maybe two thirds of Old Man Logan. We don't get the story of what happened, but he will never pop his claws again. And so he goes on all these adventures with Hawkeye and he's still not popping his claws. He will not be Wolverine. He won't be violent. He won't fight. Um, Even to defend his family, he won't fight. Because he'll never do it again. And then finally, he sits down and tells Hawkeye what happened. And he's sitting there in the X-Mansion. And all the other villains show up. And Dr. Octopus is there. And Wolverine doesn't fight Dr. Octopus. That's a Spider-Man villain. And Bullseye is there. And Wolverine doesn't fight Bullseye because that's Daredevil's villain. So everyone's traded. And it's the same thing that we've already seen. And he's attacking them one by one. And he can't find all the other X-Men. He keeps calling out to them. And he says, uh, Cyclops, Storm, where the hell is everybody? As he's gutting, slashing through the Green Goblin and, and gutting Bullseye and Mr. Sinister. And as he does that, finally, when he kills the last of these villains, he hears a voice say, oh, dear. And Bullseye, who was lying in his arms, who he's just stabbed, is saying, why are you doing this? You're supposed to be our friend and then dies and the illusion disappears. And it's Jubilee who is not just his friend, but the X-Men that he mentored and that most of the Wolverine ongoing series has her as a sidekick. Uh, basically it's Batman sitting there holding Robin and realizing that he just murdered Robin. Um, and it turns out they did switch villains, but he only got one and it was Mysterio who casts illusions. 
And Wolverine doesn't have any illusion-based villains, so he didn't expect that. And the illusion was to make all of his friends appear to be his enemies. And since they wouldn't fight back, he just murdered every single person that he loves. Um, and he's, he stands up, and he's surrounded by the bodies of all of the X-Men. Um, it's brutal! It's the thing that, it, it's kind of almost the only thing in Wolverine's whole storyline that could actually have the most effect on him. Mm. He's wrestling with himself throughout all these comics of, of being too violent, letting his, letting his rage take over. Uh, and then he, you know, he kills a bunch of ninjas or whatever, and he feels kind of like bad about it. But then at the end, he's like, no, this, I'm the best at this. And this is just who I am. And I have to deal with it. St- story after story, it's, it's bred and in, it's built into him in weapon X, uh, in Wolverine 90, uh, it's just at that point who, who he is. And so then with old man, Logan, it all gets turned on its head and says, okay, Wolverine, this is who you are. And it's, it's the end of you. This is going to be the end of like, you are just going to, this is going to go too far. And the only way that it's going to ever have any effect on you is in this example where he kills everybody he, he knows and loves and cares for. Then it starts this whole storyline of him in his later years, trying to reconcile that, that he, he won't use his rage ever again because he has done the most uh, horrific thing that he could have ever done. Wolverine is this character that you, I don't want to say love to hate, but it's not love to hate. It's, it's a, it's a pain that feels so good Yeah, with Wolverine love. I love the character. He's such a complex. He, he's a dude with a complex <laughs> that you, you just, you want him to fix himself, but at the same time, you just know it's never going to happen. And with old man Logan, it kind of just completely solidifies it. He's always going to be Wolverine. God, I love Wolverine so much. Okay. Um, enough about how much we love Wolverine. Let's take a moment and really analyze these comics because that's, I I'm, I'm Dr. Comics, right? That's, that's the reason we're here. Yes, sir. And so let's, let's start. I, I've sent you a few pages to look at, and we might post these to the website uh, before they get taken down for, you know, copyright infringement. Um, but they're taking enough out of context. I think this is, this is solid. Um, and the first is just a two page spread, a fight spread from the original Wolverine comic. Um, and it's wordless except for at the very end, um, Wolverine has his hand to Mariko's father's throat, and the final panel is a close-up of Wolverine's eyes, and it says, Snicked. Uh, which is, interestingly enough, the, the same scene at the end of Wolverine 90, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He's got his hand to the Sabretooth's throat, and the last panel just mm-hmm. says, Snicked, but it doesn't show the actual claws going in. So, It's a classic Wolverine move. Classic, classic move, right? Um, so, wordless two-page spread, that's just a fight scene. What are some things you notice about Frank Miller and the way that he shows a fight scene? Uh, you've got with Frank Miller, you've got these great contrasted shots where it's void of any uh, the backgrounds are void of any detail. Um, it's just uh, a black background followed by like a bright uh, pink background. And then Wolverine's enemy takes uh, takes a swipe with his sword and draws blood. And so they're they're just all red on a black ba- or on a white background. Just a real poppy. It's reminiscent of a Adam West Batman series yeah. fight yeah. scene. That's a great point, because even though I mean, blood is used as one of the composition elements, it still feels weirdly bloodless. Right. There's a kind of an elegance to it as though these people couldn't actually bleed or die. It, this is a dance that we're watching. Not not a fight. And check out the last two panels on the second page. Uh, notice that they both get shortened and in opposite directions. 
um, which is such a weird and interesting move. And I, I guess the way I read that is after you fall into this pace, changing the the panel structure in that way makes you read a little bit more slowly. And it feels like we just went into slow-mo. It feels like a fast-paced fight scene that all of a sudden just kind of fell into slow-mo. Um, As a camera is slowly panning across each character. Yeah, which is, is yeah. just a beautiful effect. Um, all right, next up, Barry Windsor Smith in some ways could not be more different. Yeah. All sorts of stuff going on. They're fighting and they're they're yelling at each other. Uh, word bubbles are broken up between panels and it's just a visceral waterfall of burning flesh and metal and glass and blood. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, it's it's a, a Mondrian for um, Frank Miller versus a Jackson Pollock. Right. Whereas we almost couldn't believe that either Wolverine or Mariko's father could bleed in the first one. It's almost like these two characters can do nothing but bleed. Right. They're just bags of blood. Yes. There's gore. They feel so visceral. They feel so real. Uh, And there's Mm -hmm. so many words. Words are everywhere uh, and conveying different things, you know, written in very different styles to convey different things. There's sound effects mixing with the words, all kinds of interesting stuff happening. And then on the next page, the words start to drop out and the panels start to get larger. And that's the shift to slow-mo. So it's a different way of shifting to slow-mo as he incredibly slowly throws the professor through a window. And I love that page because you can see the glass break in midair, you know, as he flies through this window. Um, And on the final page, he falls uh, soundlessly uh, down into a furnace. Uh, And then there's a sound effect and he hits the ground. It's really... The composition is beautiful on that page, the uh, the colors, um, but it's a really different kind of beauty, right? It's not the restrained beauty of Frank Miller. No, I think that's uh, – it is the Jackson Pollock of fight scenes for sure. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right. We'll have to figure out what the next one is and, and get a good one for this because now we've got Wolverine 90 and Andy Kubert. Um, and I love this one so much. This is one of my favorite pages of any comic of all time. Uh, so tell us, tell us what we're looking at here. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, I read this digitally as well. So this is, uh, looks like you turned the comic book and you unfolded it out, right? Yep. Or you're looking at it vertically. And it's just this uh, swath, this slash of of panels. It's arcing from the top left on the first page through the bottom right of the second page. So this big, long slice uh, uh, right through the this large rectangle of, of page. Um, and you're watching, uh, what it does is kind of elongates this, this fight scene. Um, it makes it like almost like this infinite fight scene that was happening for ages and ages. And it's kind of coming at you as the panels get larger. Yeah. It looks like the comic was happening for pages already. And we missed something like the fight has been going on for an hour. Um, it's such a cool effect to make it look like the panels fell off the page there. Uh, and we're slowly zooming in on a more infinite longer strip that you know this is a fold-out page that's the size of three regular pages and even it isn't long enough to contain this fight fight scenes with wolverine are interesting it, it's all about uh with with fight scenes with wolverine it's all about how much damage he can take or how how much his healing factor can compensate for the damage that he's taking uh and it's definitely there's definitely a finite amount to his healing factor it's not superman where you could shoot a million rounds of bullets at him and it just doesn't it doesn't do anything. You could shoot a lot of bullets at Wolverine and he can take a lot of bullets, but at a certain point he's going to go down. So it just, 
Wolverine just elongates out this process of just hacking and slashing. It kind of it kind of puts you on edge a little bit. Yeah. Because it's not it's not like Wolverine's an impenetrable hero. He's he's a mix between right it's this the story we've been talking about the whole time. He's a mix between animal and pure rage and human and it's just about how much damage he can take before he just gives out. Yeah. And about halfway down, uh right in the middle of the the second page. Uh, Wolverine is standing there looking at the camera and says, step back for that door creed or, and I want you to look at Wolverine's claws there. You notice anything about them? Anything that's different? This is one part of the plot that I didn't tell you. Oh yeah. They, they're not shiny metal. They are not shiny metal. They are bone. 15 Mm. issues earlier in Wolverine 75, Magneto faced off against Wolverine and ripped all of the adamantium out of his body. And this was a, a great test of his healing factor, and he was down for a while because of that. Uh, and afterwards, there's you. he gets his bones, his claws broken at one point by an enemy. And, you know, it's it's really gruesome that there are these bones sticking out of his hand that he's clawing people with. I mean, it's it's gory, so really, really animal here. Um, the flip side is it turns out that his uh, adamantium actually inhibited his healing factor. So while he's more brittle, he also heals more quickly. So... the this is a really gory arc, uh, this like 40 issues or so, where his claws get broken, he bleeds a lot, uh, but he can he can sustain a lot more damage, and so he's willing to take it. Yeah, look at that. Oh, man, I didn't know that. That's cool. I like that. And you can see it on the on the last page where he's just about to pop the claw. You you get that real look of uh, those are bone claws. Um, I love that, that oh, one yeah. of the claws, that there's no symmetry, right? That one of the claws is stuck under Sabretooth's cheek and the other is next to his eye. Yeah. It, it feels more real because of yeah. that, because it's not symmetrical. Uh, all right. And then the last one, uh, this is from old man Logan. This is the scene in which he kills all of his friends uh, before we know it, uh, before we know that they're friends. Um, yeah. And, and what, just to, to compare, what do you see there? This, uh, this one um, is more of kind of more like the Hollywood flashback mm-hmm. of the books that we've read is yeah you can there's a there's kind of a color filter that's over the whole thing that makes it feel like it's sepia toned or something like it's a little bit off uh the flip side is i think there's a, a better sense of three-dimensionality here uh the shading is more careful they, they seem more realistic um mm-hmm. and less stylized than in the previous tellings um but there's also the look at the the panel to panel relationships there's very rarely a panel where you're like and clearly the next panel is the next thing that happened it's instead a montage of moments right. that are not connected one to the other. Whereas with Wolverine 90, you can tell exactly what happened between each panel. You can tell where they're standing. You can tell how they move. Right. And you get that with Frank Miller's fight as well. Um, and definitely with Barry Windsor Smith's. But with Steve McNiven's, um, who's illustrating this one, it moves much more quickly. And it's telling a story. It's not interested in the fight itself. It's a uh, moment of action. Moment of action. Yes. Moment of action. Yes. It's... Uh, it's not the, um, you know, uh, it, it's not, I killed this guy and then I swept over here and I took two steps and then I jumped and then I was flying through the air and then I hit, uh, the green goblin. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> villain dead, villain dead, villain dead, villain dead, uh, yeah. not villain well, Ted, villain <laughs> dead, villain dead's excellent adventure. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I think the other thing is it doesn't feel necessarily that smart 
I think you, you felt with Barry Windsor Smith, like, oh, there's some levels here. Uh, with Frank Miller, uh, and same with Barry Windsor Smith, this doesn't feel all that smart, but there's a reflection you can do once you realize what he's actually been doing. So I think you can read these pretty quickly and be like, ah, villain dead, villain dead, villain dead, moving on. And once you realize what he's been doing, you go back and read this again, and he thinks he's protecting children, right? And as he stabs these villains, he says, Cyclops, Storm, where the hell is everybody? And on a reread, you go, oh, he just killed Cyclops, didn't he, when he yelled Cyclops? He killed Storm when he yelled Storm, and he doesn't know that. Um, and so there, there are some extra levels here, even though it may not seem like it's working on quite as many levels. It, it does have some other stuff going on. With the pace at which it jumps from paid, uh, panel to panel, it adds this level of brutality of how how quickly he was going uh, going at it and how quickly he was dispatching these uh, what he thought were villains, but his friends. Yeah. Wolverine is you know this this epitomizes the power of this character and the power of his rage again it's it's why he as a character to me is so interesting to read is his emotions are so amplified and when you are reading along with him and realize you are in his head the whole time it is a lot different than reading a a superhero comic where you're over their shoulder kind of third person watching this, you know, um, crime story unfold with a Wolverine comic, you are in his head the whole time. And I think that it's really interesting that we've seen some themes that have carried across all, uh, four or five of the comics that we read, um, which would be, you know, we talked about control. Wolverine wants to have control, which ties into a sense of, is he human or not? Is he a mutant? Is he an animal? Is he human? Uh, and that's his real question. And then the last one being, um, is do I understand the way the world works? And Wolverine's an interesting character in that he he is really in touch with epistemology. He understands that the world is not the way that it seems because he's got these false memories. Uh, because at the end, you know, it turns out that the people he thought he was killing were his friends. Um, you know, he's he's constantly obsessed with epistemology. Uh, what is the way that the world actually is versus the way that I know the world to be? And because of that, he's got a sense of uncertainty and humility about the world. Um, Rare for someone who, again, we said is not a thinker. He's not the Sherlock Holmes of the group. But in some ways, he's much smarter in that he's like, well, who knows the way that the world works? I think I know, but I could be wrong. And that's the real reason that he won't pop his claws is not because he now believes that violence is wrong, but because murder has a certainty that he lacks. And because he can't be certain... You can never kill again uh, because murder is for all time. And so that, I mean, for me, it's just such a beautiful story. I I love the idea of Wolverine. I love uh, his search for knowledge, knowledge about himself, knowledge about the world. Um, Even though he is stupid and we wouldn't think like, oh, what a smart character. There's some really, really interesting questions that he's asking and they're being asked of him repeatedly. Yeah, he's not, he's not stupid. He's just uh, instinctual. Yeah. And that's, that's. That's why he's called Wolverine. He's an he's more he's more animal in the way that he approaches human life than he is human approaching human life. And in this weird kind of reversal, he's almost philosophical in that philosophers often ask really stupid, obvious questions, the questions nobody else is willing to ask. He's willing to ask those stupid, obvious questions. Uh, who am I? Does the world look like I think it does? Uh, 
is this right or wrong? You know, those really fundamental questions. So we'll end it there. Man, this is this has been a blast. Thanks so much. I, I love showing off Wolverine. Wolverine's great. Uh, showing off the uh, wandering animal philosopher of Wolverine <laughs> uh, is is uh, is is a good thing. Uh, all these books. I hope you guys enjoyed reading these books. That you found uh, some level of of what we were talking about today, and uh, that it's kind of grown your appreciation for comic book reading. And uh, you know, even though we're you know, reading stories about superheroes, it can add something to the way that you see your life. And you can take these stories. And, and uh, while I hope you're not um, murdering and uh, <laughs> slicing through uh, everybody around you, I hope that uh, the the stories uh, had. Uh, hit you in some way or, or just they just enjoy them so so we're, we're gonna talk uh, about where we're going next with this podcast but first i want to ask yep. you nick are you interested in reading more wolverine is this going to lead you into a love affair with wolverine or are you probably going to leave this here and and do your own reading and, and find other comics i'm just curious uh i well i probably so there's a there's a very large world of wolverine out there mm-hmm. um this was probably uh this was i think probably one of the best ways to start into the world of wolverine i'll probably continue with the old man logan story arcs yeah um yeah. so the one that we read is the first of many i'm going to i'm going to read some more old man logan that was my jam yeah um and uh and if you uh, liked uh wolverine that. 90 uh the other one i'd point you to is just the ongoing series that wolverine 90 was a part of and those are collecting the essential Wolverine in these big 25 issue packs uh, that you can get for, I think, about 20 bucks each. Um, so that's that's a great series and a great one to run through, even though they take out the color. Um, but that, that's that's a fun read. So go out, grab some more Wolverine. We are going to uh, come back in a couple weeks uh, and jump into the world of Japanese comics, otherwise known as manga. Yeah. Or manga. And, and you've done some reading. So quick preview. Um, hey, Nick, are they weird at all? They are so well. I don't know. Depends on what time of the day you read them. If you read them right after you w- woken up after uh, crazy psychedelic dreams, then they're completely normal. But uh, if you read them after you've had your cup of coffee in the morning, mm, you're gonna you're gonna be thinking about where the heck did this come from? Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of beautiful. Some of this is a cross cultural thing where you're like, oh, that's. I guess superheroes are weird in a different way. And some of it is just straight up really, really weird stories um, that are are weird even within the context of manga. So we're going to read some. I'm excited for that. I uh, can't wait. Uh, until then, happy reading and uh, keep those claws popping. Pops? <laughs> popping. <laughs> no, or, or don't pop those claws. Uh, but you got to figure that out for yourself. I mean, you know, that's... Every person must must search. That that is the path we must take on our own. <laughs> See you everyone. Bye.